focus over preference. And we're excited about this series because we believe, I know it's something crazy, but we believe that God has put destiny in the heart of man. We believe, and woman, that God has put eternity. He has put these things in your heart, these purposes. But we also are acutely aware that we have an adversary. And his, his M.O., his M.O. is to take the purpose of God, the things that God has for your life, to take that and use it in a way where he robs God of the opportunity, but allows you to prefer or desires for you to prefer what was initially God's purpose became the enemy's purpose over God's plan for your life. And this is life, isn't it? Are you with me on this? We, we prefer this or we prefer that. We'll, we'll, we'll define it here soon. But you think about it. Let's, let's do a little test. Are you ready? You guys like, you like a little, little test here? Okay. You're going you're gonna to help me with this test. Okay. It's really simple. It's A or B. <laughs> you're like, yes! Okay. 50% chance of failure. No, 50% chance of passing. Okay. All right. Half empty, half full. You know, let's go for half full. Okay. So preference. All right. Who prefers Coke over Pepsi? Let's go Coke. Let's go Coke. No, no, don't go Coke. Uh, all right, Pepsi. I don't know. I think Coke wins, right? Rachel in the back's like, Coke always wins. My girl, we, will sit, we would love some Coca-Cola classic. Can't beat the real thing. Okay, all right, preference, right? Are you with me? Okay, you go to Chick-fil-A. You know, that came from heaven, didn't it? All right, chicken sandwich or chicken nuggets. All right, let's go chicken sandwich. Hallelujah. Chicken nuggets. Ooh, I think the majority has spoken. Yes, yes, okay. So you see that in life we have preferences, right? Right? We have preferences. How about how about comfort over pain? Comfort. Okay, pain. We'll pray about that later, okay? But you'll see that that in life God has purpose, right? God has this purpose and this plan for your life, but he also has given us this little thing called free will to prefer to choose one thing or the other, okay? Because what I love about God, one of the things I love, he's not a dictator. He's a good, good father, a loving father that allows his kids to choose, okay? And I love that. But what we're going to see is that there's a lot of things that happen in life, okay? And we're going to be coming from the 23rd Psalm. That's, I mean, remember, David wrote that, okay? And David was a guy that was a monumental screw-up, if you've read anything about him, okay? Messed up like crazy, but still a man after God's own heart. So we're going to see that from the beginning, God had purpose in his life, but there were decisions and things that David did that showed his preference over what God wanted at points, Right? Okay, so we'll see that throughout this series. But today we're going to start at the, the beginning of the 23rd Psalm. I'm going to read it all to you. But we're going to start with one half of a sentence, and we're going to unpackage this in just a moment. So let's start by reading the 23rd Psalm, okay? The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides valley along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord 
forever. We're talking about the very first part of this whole purpose thing and understanding that this, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. That's where we're going to camp today. And we're going to see that in, in the book of John, where we see Jesus talk about him being that good shepherd, okay? And the importance and understanding. Listen, we can't understand our purpose for our lives that's from him until we know the one who gives it. Are you with me? And we can look at it. I think I define purpose and, and you'll see preference as well. You see that on your screen. A purpose, the reason for which something is done or created now, if we don't get with the shepherd, we don't understand how we are created or by whom we are created, for which something exists, that purpose in your life that he has. You see that? Something set up as an object or end to be attained, uh, an end goal that he has for your life, which is heaven forever with him. But we also kind of lean towards this preference thing, the act of preferring the power of opportunity of choosing right? We kind of lean more towards this sometimes than this purpose factor that he has. One that is preferred, one meaning a person that is preferred over another. So when we think about the shepherd, we think about his purpose for our lives, but also the point at which we find ourselves, who do we prefer, him or someone else? Are you with me? So to understand, to understand purpose in life, we have to spend time with the shepherd. We have to know the shepherd, how he thinks, what he does, who he is, so that we can discover his purpose for our lives. You ever feel like sometimes you just don't know what you're doing? Anybody ever feel that way? That's me basically every day, okay? I'm like pulling out a list and I put these two wonderful words at the top. To do. Anybody do that? That's about as far as I get. I'm just kidding. But I'll put that, those two words, to do. What is the purpose of this day in my life? And then all of a sudden, I'm guilty of this. Kara tells me all the time, you need to think about today, Just Don't think about the next 75 weeks. I put everything on there. Anybody else do that? Like a mind dump? You ever heard that? It's like, and it's like, oh, so you're going to solve world hunger today. Great. Okay, you see what I mean by this? We can get a little over, overzealous. But we think about the purpose of God in our lives. And we do not find that until we find him as the shepherd. Okay. And we look at the life of David and we look at this and we will throughout this series as someone who exemplified human nature so well, because he's just like us in so many ways. But his first statement in that 23rd Psalm says a lot of things. The Lord is my shepherd. So let's start in the beginning with this. The Lord is my shepherd capital M-Y, talking about you, talking about me. How can David make such a statement? But the real question is, how can we make such a statement? John 10, 7 through 10, this is where Jesus is speaking. And of course, the Pharisees are listening in and they're always upset because Jesus wrecked the system. He really did. He came into this world and he wrecked the system. He wrecked it for good, not for bad, because what he was saying was that all of you matter to me and all of you need to be within this relationship with me and God. Okay. So this is kind of the premise of what he's getting at. And you see these Pharisees listening in and they get really upset and you'll hear why in just a few moments. But here, the Lord is my shepherd. Therefore, Jesus said again, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers. He's speaking to those who have spoken to the lives of people before, speaking things that are not truth, okay? Thieves and robbers, right? But the sheep have not listened to them. 
I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He talks about he is the way, the truth, and the life. You hear that there as well, right? Whoever enters through me, whoever passes through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. But I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. See, we see in this, you're like, what does this have to do with with the Lord as my shepherd? It's an understanding that we position ourselves, okay, up under him as the shepherd. What is a shepherd? A shepherd is a manager. A shepherd is an owner. Did you know that? Okay. And what we do is we say, God, I come up under you. You are the Lord of my life. You Lord over everything in my life and you are my shepherd. I'm going to trust you to lead me, to guide me, to direct me. And we see in this first part, it's so important that he gives us pasture. He gives us pasture. Now, close your eyes with me. I like for us to imagine, you know, I think that's a lot of fun. Okay. Close your eyes with me for just a second and envision with me. Okay. The greenest flowing grass field you've ever seen in your life. Are you with me? Born free, free as a wheel. Okay, so there's your theme music as you're looking out there over the fields, the, the pastoral sight of all this beauty. Now, picture in your, in your mind's eye a desert. Picture the depravity, the broken ground, the cracks within, the lack of moisture, the lack of life and vitality. Open your eyes with me. You see that Jesus is this shepherd that wants to lead us to green pasture. He wants to lead us to a place and he wants to to gate us in in a good way to save us, to maintain us, to help us because he is a good shepherd. You think about it and there's been a story told before. Actually, I loved it by uh, this guy right here who who wrote Philip Keller. I don't know if you've heard of him at all. Yes, I love this. A shepherd looks at the 23rd Psalm and um, he was talking about himself as he at one point was a shepherd. And we don't understand sheep until we have them, right? But we know we are like sheep, okay? And we think about this in lieu of the pasture aspect. And he was talking about as he would walk down the road, and he had all these sheep that he had gotten himself, but he walked down the road, and he looked over, and he looked to this pasture, not a green one, but one that represented death, of one who should not have had sheep. The sheep were emaciated. The sheep had parasites. The sheep were sick. See, we have a shepherd who wants to bring health and vitality to our lives, not just in our minds and our hearts, but in our spirits. He did not draw you out to let you die. He drew you out to keep you safe. He drew you out to give you green pasture so that you can have life and life to the full. See, but you got to be able to say, the Lord is my shepherd. See, a lot of times we prefer, even though, and this is where the enemy, they, they, did, they didn't listen, but sometimes we listen to the enemy and believing that the grass is greener on the other side. Guys, there's no grass. If anything, it's astroturf. It's a lie. It's a lie. Stay behind the gate. Stay with the shepherd. Stay with the one who created you, who will save you, and sustain you by way of his Holy Spirit. Is the Lord your shepherd? Can you say like David, control of my life? After a mess of a life, the Lord is my shepherd. I give him control of my life. The shepherd will bring safety, care, and vitality, but the enemy will steal, kill, and destroy. Who's your shepherd? Is it Jesus? Is it God in this way? Or are you allowing the enemy to shepherd your life? I don't know about you, but that jacked me up. 
Second thing is this. The Lord, your shepherd, okay, when he becomes the Lord, your shepherd will give his life for you. Okay, will give his life for you. John 10, 11 through 15. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, right, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. Now you see this as the enemy and what he does to our lives, okay? The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. Has the devil ever died for you? No, one thing he tries to do is kill and destroy you. We see Jesus saying, I'm the good shepherd. Listen, if you're hurting, I'm going to be right there. If, if you're broken, I'm going to be right there. If something's happening in your life, I'm going to be right there. What does the enemy do? Comes in like that wolf. He scatters the flock. He isolates you right? He gets you by yourself and he isolates you. And then what he tells you are things that you believe for just that moment. And all of a sudden he's like, I'm out. See, the good shepherd keeps you with the flock. The good shepherd watches over the flock and the good shepherd will never leave you nor forsake you. The good shepherd has given his life for you. What a picture when you think about that. Do you know anything about sheep? Anybody? Have you ever? Okay. It's like 4-H, brother. FFA. Bam! (laughs) Cecil County, Maryland. Boom! Right? Literally. He's from Cecil, guys, by the way. Sheep are stupid. Sheep are dumb. Right? Sheep want to do their own thing. Sheep are crazy. Sheep are even perverse. Sheep are jacked up. Does that sound like us a little bit? I prefer to do this. I prefer to do that. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. When the shepherd says, look, I've laid down my life for you. I laid down my life for you so that you didn't have to do that. I created pasture for you. I created boundaries for you. I created a gate for you for safety. I did all this because I love you so much. And because of that love, because of that great love, I gave my life. But here's the thing he says. Because of that great love, I will continue to give my life. Jesus, his sacrifice, his death is still still for you today. He didn't die once then, but it's an understanding that he died for you every single day. What I mean by it is this. Don't take advantage of this grace. Live in it every single day. Understand the sacrifice of the Savior and what he did for you to create that green pasture. Every day, remind yourself of what he did for you and his love. As, all right, third thing is this. The Lord, your shepherd, chose you as his sheep. Again, we talked about how fickle we are and how crazy we can be as sheep. But it's a beautiful, beautiful picture here that we see in John 10, 16 through 18. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. What is Jesus talking about here? Does this make sense to anybody yet? You're like, great, you have more sheep. That's fun, I guess. Well, we see a division 
We see a division that was in biblical times. Those that were chosen, Jewish folks, and those that were Gentile, which was non-Jew. That's what that means. And what Jesus was saying is that I have more people than you guys listening right here. You think that you're the end all in this? But here, what I'm going to do, Jesus is saying, is going to be for everyone. So let's, let's get the picture straight here and understand this. You think that the green pasture that you live in now, the gate, that the fence and all this stuff is just for you? There's more people coming, okay? He wants us to understand and get the importance of this, okay? Are you with me? They too will listen to my voice and there, sh- there shall be one flock and one shepherd. Again, they're getting furious with this, okay? The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. This will make sense soon. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. Let's make some sense of this. Verse 16, Jesus is saying, regardless of your pedigree, Regardless of what village you're from, regardless of where you've come from, what you've done, who you were before, my grace will be sufficient. My forgiveness is for you and will always be for you. Are you with me? I love that. It's not just a message for us, people that are sitting in church today, but a message that you are to take out of these walls and give to others as well and say, guess what? You're chosen too. You're God's idea, just like me. Come do life with me as well. Verse 17 says, Jesus preferred the will of the Father. See, even Jesus had the opportunity to express his preference. But what did Jesus do? He came up under the will of the Father. And he did it willingly and freely. Why? Because he saw you. He saw you. He saw you in the middle of your sin. You thought nobody was watching. (laughs) He saw you. He saw you in the middle of your anger. He saw you in the middle of your hatred. He saw you in the middle of your love. He saw you in the middle of your joy. He saw you in the middle of everything. And he said, you know what? I will willingly lay down my life for those sheep because I love them. Because the Father loved me and I love them. He willingly did it, and he walked in that love. I don't understand that love. Have you ever tried to sit around and think about God's love? Anybody with me? Becoming a parent helps in that way, okay, and a little bit, just a small. But his love, that yet while we were still sinners, Christ died for us because of that love. I want us to really think about this as we continue on in our walk with him. Think about how much he loves us and what that love has afforded to us that grace, that mercy, that forgiveness. And this understanding, verse 18, Jesus willingly lays it down. He lays down his life so that more can come to pasture too. How is this going to happen? By way of you. So the question is this. You're talking about whose mark will you bear? Whose mark will you bear? You're like, oh, geez, you're talking about RFID chips and bearing the mark. And I know that's in the news too. Okay, I'm with you. The mark, no, no, no. Listen to me. Check this out. I'm going to read from uh, Philip Keller's book for just a moment, and this will make sense. The day I bought my first 30 ewes. I love that word. Is that fun? Ewes. Can you say that with me? I'm going to go to the book itself. I think it's, it's way better. Okay, are you all with me? Is that fun? The day I bought my first 30 ewes, my neighbor and I set 
on the dusty corral rails that enclosed the sheep pens and admired the choice, strong, well-bred ewes that had become mine. Turning to me, he handed me a large, sharp killing knife and remarked, right, tersely, he said, well, Philip, they're yours. Now you have to put your mark on them. I knew exactly what he meant. Each sheep man, I like how he says that, sheep man, okay, each sheep man has his own distinctive earmark, which he cuts into one or the other of the ears of his sheep. In this way, even at a distance, it is easy to determine to whom the sheep belongs. It was not the most pleasant procedure to catch um, each ewe in turn and lay her ear on a wooden block, then notch it deeply with the razor sharp edge of the knife. There was pain for both of us, but from our mutual suffering, an indelible lifelong mark of ownership was made that could never be erased. And from then on, every sheep that came into my possession would bear my mark. There's an exciting parallel to this in the Old Testament. When a slave in any Hebrew household chose of his own free will to become a lifelong member of that home, he was sub subjected to a certain ritual. His master and owner would take him to his door, put his earlobe against the doorpost, and with an awl, puncture a hole through the ear. From then on, he was a man marked for life as belonging to that house. For the man or woman who recognizes the claim of Christ and gives allegiance to his absolute ownership, there comes the question of bearing his mark, the mark of the cross. Listen to me. Is that which should identify us with himself for all time? The question is, does it? Jesus made it clear when he stated emphatically, if any man would be my disciple, a follower, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Do you, do I bear his mark? Is his cross seared on our heart and our minds? Is there a mark on our lives that shows others that we are his and that he is ours? Is there a mark that says that he is the good shepherd of my life? He is the manager. He is the owner. And I am proud of this relationship. Does that mark exist in your life? Are you with me? Or should we go back to the first thing we observed? The Lord is my shepherd. Stated by David because he could. But can you state the same thing today? Is the Lord truly your shepherd? Does he truly have ownership of your life? Does his purpose prevail? Or does your preference, okay, is that paramount? That's the question. And I think we all got to come to grips with this. Asking ourselves that question. Am I marked by him? Is the cross visible in my life? Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, the crux of Christianity and eternity. Is that the mark on life? Without that purpose, all other purposes won't take root. Are you with me? So you got to answer that question. Can you say, the Lord is my shepherd? Take a moment with me and close yourselves in with God. And ask him, are you truly my shepherd? Have, have my preferences superseded the number one purpose you have for my life to be in relationship with God through the Son? 
Is my preference, what I want and desire, greater than God's purpose for my life to be in a personal relationship with him? Because here's the thing. The shepherd laid down his life and will continue to lay down his life for his sheep. A good shepherd will literally get in harm's way so that you can experience the safety and vitality that God has planned for your life. And Jesus did that. Will you be willing to do the same? 